The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR-type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Welcome to Fofop, I'm Will Anderson and joining me guest Charlie's, returning guest Charlie's, Cam and Alexi from the Total Reboot, uh, the Total Reboot, the Total Reboot podcast. Total Reboot. The Total Reboot, uh, where they every week uh, get a different sex robot, test it out and review it. Yes. And you know what? Our listenership is growing. It was a very niche community when we launched it five years ago, but now in pandemic times, there's a lot of And a lot of people wanting to find out and- what's the best Reboot you can absolutely root, dude. <laughs> if you're gonna get a rude bot i want like not i don't just want to go to one of those pages where you're like oh you know you google like what are the best top mm. five rude bots like mm. you know mm. and mm. then it's obviously been sponsored by some company that makes rude bots yeah. and you're not getting <laughs> independent information i want like you yeah. guys to be the chapo trap house <laughs> of rude bots like- <laughs> we make no money from advertising we make absolutely no money we do this for the joy and our belief yeah. that rude bots are the future okay that's what we're banking on <laughs> and we don't we don't even no. get any free products. We're spending so uh, much money weekly on Rudebots. buying these little things that'll suck you off and like pop up your butt and stuff. And, yeah, but I mean, we do share. We okay. share them. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> do you swap order yeah. each week, or is there? A- <laughs> we do. We do alternating <laughs> reviews where we get one, pass it on. <laughs> so okay, tell me this. Uh, I'm not suggesting that you have to nominate whether you would ever have sex with a rude bot or not. But let's just say <laughs> you live in a world where you have a rude bot review podcast. Yeah. How much? This is all true. This is the universe we're now living in. How much would you be willing to spend out of your budget that you're making? Like, how much would you have to make on Patreon or whatever a week mm. to spend on rude bots? I think about this a bit, you know, because like. I don't have one. I don't have any like automatic sex mm. toys in my house. But I think if I was a single man living in today's day, I would. I think I would buy one of those ones that pumps. <laughs> uh, you put a flashlight into yeah. it, you reload it, and it sort of like it jacks you off or sucks you off or whatever. I think I would buy one. And I've looked at the pricing, and we're talking like $600, $700. Uh, for one of those babies. So I think my limit is around... So like the flashlight, can I say wow. this? So the, the, the whole idea of the flashlight for people don't know, it's a male masturbation tool. And it's called a flashlight because it comes uh, disguised cunningly as a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a clever... Yeah. It's a, mm. You've got to admire yeah. both the fact that they came yeah. up with it and the excellent <laughs> play on words. Uh, I think they had the name first. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was someone sent an email with a misspelling. They're like, hang on a second. Here's my eureka moments. I like to think that there were rejected like versions of that. There was like, you know, the, the recycling bin or the compost compartment. Like, <laughs> so... Okay, if you've got a sex robot, is there going to be a mm. similar disguise is what I'm saying? Because, like, are you going to leave your sex oh, yeah. sex robot around the house or are they going to kind of disguise oh, it as something else? There's nothing, like, it's the perfect disguise, isn't it? The mm. fleshlight. Mm. You know, if someone's going to walk in your Until room, there's a blackout. Like, hey, look, yeah. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just fucking my torch. There's not. It's not a flashlight. I've just yeah. got the Mac torch on my dick. That's all. Yeah. Is it like a CPR doll that's just got like a little bum hole or something <laughs> on the other side? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Just training to save some lives. You know. Yeah, yeah. Just don't come in. I'm gonna be practicing some CPR. While we're talking right now, I've googled this thing: the flashlight launch. And it couldn't possibly be disguised as anything other than what it is. It's huge. It looks like a kitchen appliance. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to give you like a a story I have not told previously on this podcast. Wow. Uh, We're getting the scoop. When I was in LA doing comedy, uh, the owner or the, I don't know, like somebody who was high up at Fleshlight in the Fleshlight (laughs) industry was at one of my gigs and was particularly taken 
you know, by my material and uh, got my number from somebody, got my details from somebody so they could send me a case of fleshlights. So a case. I, case. Yeah, there was like three or four different <laughs> flashlights in the case. Like I, oh my I, God. I, I, I thought arrived. you meant like a case of beers with this twenty-four. In yeah. <laughs> Time for a profi. <laughs> it just all lined up like the cans in a six-pack. <laughs> no, it was like four, I reckon. Yeah, I think okay. there were four. Like you, you kind of standard flashlight, and then when there was right. like kind of more like a pocket flashlight, and I think oh there might God. have been like a. Uh, like a, a a bottom hole flashlight. Oh my mm-hmm. lord! Yeah. So yeah, it was like a range of different fl- flashlights. Was there a mouth? Oh yeah, maybe there was a mouth. You're right. I reckon yeah, there was yeah, a yeah. mouth, a bum, and two two different size vaginas. <laughs> the whole range. In case you're you're having a formal night and you've got to get out oh the good Lord. cutlery, like you know, like normally it's good enough to just you know eat with a knife and fork, maybe a spoon. But if you've got fancy company over and you've got to start with a little flashlight before you move your way into the big one, that's how you oh, set it's the like table. a little Tupperware party yeah. that you can throw. It's like a dessert fork. Yeah, the, that one on the outside. We got the Whitlam sam- sampler. Everybody, let's have a little taste. What do you prefer? I got the mouth flashlight, but I just kiss it. Yeah, that's all I <laughs> So, so hang on. Go back to this story. You've got you got given four free flashlights. Yeah, four. So, um, yeah, four different flashlights. So, um, yeah. So I, I I will say that I did. I mean, you got to fucking try it. Like of it's been sent to your house. It right? killed the cat, but it also made its life a little happier for about five or six minutes. Yeah. I, well, here's what I will say: is too, too much effort for me. Is what I would say. That's like, I've heard that. I just okay. feel like that is a job that is already being done efficiently. And no complaints. Fine. Yeah, I've worked out a way that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really, to be honest, put more 10,000 hours Malcolm, uh, you know, Gladwell style into <laughs> developing how that works than fine tuning anything in my comedy career. So I don't really need to now get in an external fucking contraption to help me with something that I've nailed. It just seems, it does seem like too much effort because from what I've seen, you have to take the fleshy bit out mm. and heat it up yep. separately. My lord, and then- even this conversation is rewiring my DNA right now. This is <laughs> unbelievable to me. Just uh, can you imagine, I mean, I don't know, maybe when you're 17 I could stay horny for the length it takes to heat up a fucking fleshy thing and then put it back into a casing and then jack off. But now at 33, the moment I'm pulling this like the sticky fleshy substance out of the casing, I'd be like, ugh, forget this. Oh, my this. God. Mate, this is too much like movie. a Cronenberg creation. Like, this is existence. This is like video drove to me hearing these things. I, like, I literally am too lazy to grab my actual flashlight when I go outside at night and like <laughs> with the dogs. I just use like the, the torch on my phone. The idea that somehow I'm just like, oh, well, here we go. I'm going to treat myself right. Book out an hour oh. in my calendar because... You, you haven't even got to the worst bit of about this is that, yes, there is some, like, preparation time, you know, but it's oh, the no. post time that's your real... My Lord. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the conundrum. Cleaning involved in this, which is... I mean, I think... Disgusting. I think they're all one use, it would be my suggestion. I feel well, like the, some, you get everyone case. always thinks it's a good idea, does it once and says, yeah. I'm not cleaning this up. No, yeah. this is going in the bin. <laughs> yeah, of course. It would be truly like an existential just moment. Like you would be distracted by going like, God, what is my life? Where I've become? Mm. What is this? It just, you know, it would just awaken too many different feelings for me. And none of them will channel into the feelings of arousal whatsoever. Okay. So if there's a step then where the fleshlight is inserted into a, a rude bot, Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam's going to pay a thousand bucks. Yeah, about a thousand bucks. No more than a thousand bucks. Alexi, same question. Well, I'll borrow Cam's, test it out, and make my decision <laughs> from there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a try before you buy kind right. of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Can you only do oral on it as well? Yeah. <laughs> I, as lo- if it's got arms to snuggle with, that's all I need. That's what I really need is the touch of a good bot. You just talk to it. <laughs> got to ring up the company and go, why is it just vaginas and buttholes? Yeah. Just, I want some fleshy arms I can wrap around me at night and cuddle. Can you guys chuck a personality and I'll load up some of the podcasts that Cameron and I have done? Just wanted to sound like Cam. I haven't seen him in like three months. <laughs> Just me sitting across it with like microphone set up. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about this? Here's a question I'm going to ask about if you're loading it up with the podcast. Some AI company comes to you and they're going, we mm. we are going into the, the rude bot business. We're making mm. male rude bots now, but we need them to have distinct personalities. And we've identified mm. the best way for our AI to get an insight into someone's personality is to hear as much of them talking as possible. And so we're going to podcasters <laughs> first because there's just so much information that we can immediately feed into these machines to come up with these fully formed personalities. Are you too willing to have your podcast? So what would be the number? How much money would they have to offer you to insert your personalities into wow. male robots? Well, I'd assume that they would have already gone through, you know, you and a few other podcasters ahead of us. Yeah, we probably already own the Justin Hamilton rude bot. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down, watch Indiana Jones with it. Yeah, I don't know how deep down the podcast list it would take before we finally get the offer. But um, so we would have seen a few of the bugs and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. I reckon we'd be getting offered less than you, to be honest. So I'd probably do it for... The exposure. (laughs) (laughs) To get the the word about Total Reboot out there from the aptly named Rudebot. Because that's what we really want. We want that market of guys that want to have sex with us listening to our podcast. (laughs) We hope there's a few out there. Well, this, you know, this whole thing, it opens up a real Westworld conundrum Mm. in my head. Once we start talking about sex robots that have personalities and that are AI... Do they, do they have autonomy? Do they have choice? Are they now slaves? And this is where I get uncomfortable. I'm more happy to just fuck a torch or whatever the fuck. <laughs> One of those ones that just an ass. <laughs> it's just a descended ass. I mean, that to me is like, you've got to be very confident you're never having a pop-in from a neighbour. Yeah. Oh have one God. of those in your house. Like, oh it would God. be like whatever that fucking famous story about the ticking clock under the floorboards, yeah. you know. The, oh, yeah. That, Edgar yeah. Allan Poe. Yeah, so that's, that's my version of that. If I knew that I had yeah, one of those just asses that they sell separately. He <laughs> does have to be like, it's a honey glazed ham, I promise. That's what's just sitting there. I was eating a honey glazed ham in bed. Well, that's the nightmare is that you have kids or something and then you die and the kids are going through, oh, you know, cleaning Lord. out your shit and they're finding all these memories of you and then they just find <laughs> a, a full ass and some legs and nothing else. And then just have to deal with that. <laughs> have you seen them? They're fucking crazy. They've got legs. <laughs> oh man, I wish I was a I wish I was a sex toy guy. It would just be it's, it's all so funny to me. <laughs> I mean, not I'm to kink shame anyone. I'm glad mm. that people are able to. I'm just saying, mm. from my point of view, I would find it hard to know that that was in my house. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would find myself living a much more careful and risk free life, I think, <laughs> based on the idea. You're just constantly sweating. You just have always got a degree. You're three degrees hotter all the time, just going, oh, God, something's up. Something's going to happen. Well, you know, there's that. Um, so, it, it all allegedly, of course, because this podcast cannot be afforded to be sued by Ben Robert Smith, but there is allegations in the Ben Robert Smith case that he had like all these, you know, computer files and whatever buried in his backyard that, you know, mm. sort of if shit goes down, you got to destroy these. The only way that I could have one of those rubber asses in my house is if it was... You've got a friend. ...buried in my backyard. No, that, I'd have to get it from the backyard every time and rebury it. Oh every time out. I would have to rebury it, I would have to pat it down. and Because like, then I would really know... Sprinkling loose ...that I needed it if I got brick. out the shovel. <laughs> He spends a lot of time in the backyard. I don't know what he's doing. Now. Just hide it inside a cabbage in a cabbage patch, so you have to open it up, <laughs> pull the leaves back. 
<laughs> That's how they should hide them. They should come inside a, a silicone cabbage. Are you suggesting it's some sort of cabbage patch doll, Alexi? Yeah, or a cauliflower, <laughs> any kind of root vegetable. And that's what we call them. We call them root vegetables. Maybe there should be a service that uh, is just you let a group of people know and they're like black ops and they will get a text or a beeper will go off mm. when you die and they'll know to come around and destroy a case in your backyard or like clear your search history or whatever. I honestly just think to- this is a good like good idea for a business. It's a yeah. pretty fucking good idea. Yeah. You just see guys with like these little wrist bands on them that like tap mm. into like their their heart rate and stuff and you go, yeah, that guy's a masturbator. <laughs> just seeing them with their little armband on, yeah, it's a masturbator right there. But if there was some company that you could give, because it's not, I mean, yes, maybe it's a bit harder to get the keys to the house in case of emergency and get around there to, you know, hmm. dig up the fake plastic ass from the backyard. But like for emails or messages or mm-hmm. like, you know, if there was some company where you were just like, well, here's all my, you know, in, you get a message when I die. And then, like, here are all my email passwords. Please go in and erase anything that would embarrass anybody. I think that's fucking great. It's like like this whole John Wick universe mm-hmm. where these these people. It's I'm imagining like a Swiss bank, like you can go there and it's all marble, <clears throat> and you like put a key into a little lockbox, and that's a hard drive with all your incriminating data on it, and they can just fucking destroy it. I actually think this is a cool idea. They're black ops trained. Mm-hmm. They're, pay- they're being paid very well and they have access to everything and they can just destroy it all yeah. to keep your memory pure. It's good, actually. You know, that's actually good. You know what it'd be good for? It'd be good for a pitch for one of those sort of equalizer style franchises, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yes. like where somebody used to be, oh, you know who that is. They were the eraser, <laughs> you know, but they've, <laughs> but they've erased themselves. That's the premise, right? They used That's to be great, the world's yeah. greatest eraser. They would go in when shit went down. <laughs> they would clean it all up. But now they've managed to erase themselves. Nobody knows where they live. They're living this normal life. And then right. something, some crime or injustice takes place that they have to get back into the erasing game. <laughs> It's actually a fucking great idea. Yeah. We could make a couple of beans off this thing. Yeah. Just the three of us going out there finding dead dudes, deleting their history, <laughs> taking just their credit card. I mean, I think everybody now, because of the way the internet works, right, and the fact that, you know, uh, we have access to all these things, there, would, there mm. wouldn't be a person who's online who does not have something <laughs> that they would love for other people not to find out about. So I think so there would be a demand for the product. I was thinking about this recently that we're, I reckon we're five years off um, a politician having their nudes leaked and it not being a big mm. deal. Mm. You know, a politician being like, yeah, so what? They're my nudes. I sent them, you know, five years ago to a guy that I was dating. I think, and then that's just going to be the norm. I think if it was appropriate, like as in like the relationship was appropriate, mm. um, I don't think that would be a scandal now. I actually, think, really think, I so? actually think that people would have sympathy for the, the politician. I think that's where we're at now, where people would be like, it is a disgrace that somebody has leaked their nudes. If they're sending consensual nudes to someone, I reckon we're already there. Do you think that if Anthony Weiner had a different name, he would be president now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or if he just lent into it. That was his problem. Oh, my God. His problem is, like, if it was Trump, if that had happened to Trump, he just would have fucking rolled with it. He would be like, yeah, I did. You want to see my dick now? It's great. Yeah. I have the no, best sir. dick in the entire world. It is definitely better than every Chinese dick I have ever seen. <laughs> have you guys seen the Wiener documentary? Yeah. Yes. Have you seen it, Will? Yes, I have seen oh, it. Oh, man. It's, it's fucking sensational. That's Yeah, I think you're right because that movie spent so much time making me realize that he was basically the prodigal son. Yeah. He's fucking he's Bernie Sanders. He was like kind of the white Obama is this fucking cool dude. But then it's just an hour and a half of watching him be obsessed with showing his dick to strangers. Yeah. Can't shake it. I mean, that is like a, such a weird obsession. Like, I mean, it obviously has affected our community. You know, Louis C.K. clearly <laughs> like just yeah. loved showing his dick to people and then loved touching it. it. And that's not appropriate, Louis. <laughs> like, yeah. you no. fucking got some good specials, man. But could you stop showing your dick to people? <laughs> Great specials, bad special interests. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So what's been going on in lockdown, boys? Like I wanted to talk to you. You're in the middle of a Sydney lockdown at the moment, both in separate 
uh, places. So g- give me a sense of what the lockdown experience is like for you. I, um, as everybody knows, I am a big movie buff. Alexi Toliobos, number one movie guy <laughs> this side of town. And I, um, I'll i be honest, I've hit a wall. I Like last week, I was telling Cam, I was like, I have no idea what to watch anymore. And I'm fully aware that I'm saying this to you through my computer sitting in front of what looks like 2,000 Blu-rays behind me. And yeah. I just hit the wall not knowing at all what to watch. And then knowing that I'm not going to be anytime soon have new things, I'm spinning out. <laughs> um, how, how many Blu-rays do you have? Because yeah. that is like we're looking at a wall behind you. It looks like, and I've seen it many times before because we Zoom almost every day, but um, it does look like a store. Like yeah. it, it looks like you have thousands. What's the number? It is around 2,000. Jesus Christ. Far out. I have that many fleshlights in my house. <laughs> have you watched every one of those Blu-rays? Is there anything on your shelf that you haven't watched that you bought but you've just yeah. actually never watched? A lot. There's a lot in there. Like I would What's say the number? it would be hundreds. <laughs> hundreds that you haven't watched? <laughs> yeah. Minimum 100, I would say, There's that I've got behind me that I've not seen. I'm talking minimum 100. What I enjoy about this is that you've started this story with, I've run out of things to watch, I don't know what to watch, and yet you literally have 100 things that you purchase. They're not just on your Netflix or your stand. They literally are sitting on your shelf that you're like, yeah, but not that. What a a tease for that movie, to feel so loved at the start. And then so, this is like, a dysfunctional relationship yeah it's also i think i've only had the desire to watch beverly hills cop and there's only three of them and then <laughs> hundreds of other movies I'm like and no. only one of them's good <laughs> only one of them's good one of them's horrendous and one of them's kind of okay so uh, well hang on have you got like a database of everything there or is yes. it just all unorganized it's a well, database why just, and it's alphabetized why don't you just go through and just pick the ones you haven't watched and just watch them you know you've got <laughs> You've got the time. The answer is quite simple, Cameron. It's because it doesn't have Eddie Murphy putting a banana into an exhaust (laughs) pipe in them. (laughs) Behind me, there's only one movie that has that in the criteria. Yeah. And the rest don't. Some of them only have Eddie Murphy playing three or four characters. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I actually, the other day I watched Fletch for the first time in ages. Mm. And then it finished and I was like, God, I wish there was more Fletch. And then I remembered there is a sequel to Fletch. Yep. And instead, I decided to just watch Fletch again. <laughs> Which is a good choice because I yeah. was obsessed with Fletch. Uh, with uh, Fletch. <laughs> with Fletch lights. Oh we got the way by Fletch We're back lights. to it. With rude bots and Fletch lights. <laughs> <laughs> it's the plot of Fletch, but it's, it's now called Fletch. <laughs> Fletch lights. <laughs> Okay, so you love. I was. I love Fletch. It's yeah. so good. I sadly sometimes think that uh, when I was a kid in the country and I decided I wanted to do journalism, I thought that I was going to be more like a Fletch style character oh, that yeah. was going to go undercover yeah. and like mm. work out yeah. stories by having all these like <laughs> secret identities and shit. But I then read the books. Have you ever read any of the the books? I'm reading. Uh, I'm actually reading the first one now. So remarkably different. Like he's certainly yeah, the character. Still good. Yeah, still good, but just in a different way. Like mm. Chevy Chase looks nothing like. I imagine if you were like a lover of Fletch before the movie mm. came out and then they cast Chevy Chase, it would have been one of those. Fletch fans would have been up <laughs> yeah. in arms if it had been the days <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> when you're going back and reading it now, Cameron, you just have to like every time they describe him, just look at Chevy Chase instead. <laughs> <laughs> or read a description of him in like People magazine with like slightly balding, funny man, Chevy Chase. <laughs> so the first one's great though. Well, oh, when I was a kid, the first one was great. I have not watched it in 20 years. Is it is mm. it still great or is it terrible? It holds up, man. It's so good. Chevy is hilarious. Yeah. The story is great. I'm a sucker for just any kind of like dipshit detective story. Yeah. Any fucking like smart ass idiot guy who's on a mission. I love it. I reckon it's as good as Beverly Hills Cop. Wow, I think, really? I, think, I put them together as like great fucking 80s comedies. Yeah. But, but yeah, the Fletch Lives sucks ass. Yeah. It's fucking 
lame and it's set on a plantation for some yeah. reason. Oh my god, that's where I want to see Chevy. <laughs> we got to see Chevy on a plantation. <laughs> you know, it's you know crazy, be funny guys. <laughs> really based on whatever characters Chevy had left I think was basically oh. was yeah, just like, what yeah. else can you do he's like, like I don't know maybe a plantation owner we could like yeah well there's These one character have been bubbling up for a while <laughs> there's one character that never let me play on SNL I think I could bring yeah. it out now <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Anyway, yeah, so I've been I've been watching that. Um, that's the main thing I've been doing and reading the books as well mm. and doing my own little detective work <clears throat> on the internet. And I read a really cool fact today I want to share with you guys. Wow, okay. Because I've been reading about the billionaire space race that's mm. been going on over the last month or so, you know, with all our, like, all our fucking hot, cool billionaires yeah. that have decided to spend all their money on... Space tourism. Jeffrey Bezos and Richard Branson. Not Bill Gates. Yep, and, Bill Gates is... And Elon. Oh, yeah, Elon, of course. Elon oh, wow. Musk. <clears throat> and I went down a little uh, a rabbit hole it's, Wait, is that how you say his name? <laughs> I don't know. No. I think I've heard him read not. it. It's <laughs> absolutely Elon, not how you say Elon his name. Elon Musk. But- <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> Have some respect. <laughs> The guys and <laughs> he's a freaking moosk dude, okay? He's one of our great geniuses. Uh, so I was reading about uh, early research into space tourism and mm. uh, the space shuttle Challenger, which you guys may remember as a spaceship that exploded in 1986. Yep, that was an attempt at uh, space tourism. Did you know that Big Bird from Sesame Street mm. was supposed to be on that spaceship? Oh my god! Like the costume or the puppeteer, both. Oh my! Oh my god! As part of like a uh, like publicity coup, NASA said, "You know what will be great, and we'll get all the kids watching, is oh. if we get Carol Spinney as Big Bird to board the Challenger and like take off into space with everybody." But scheduling like didn't let him do it. Imagine, imagine that. Big Bird. Oh, my God. I'm flabbergasted right now. Okay, so if Big Bird was on Challenger and so Big Bird, like it explodes and Big Bird dies. Oh, yeah. Do they tell the children? Like is there, like how, because that's one of those moments where like do they just replace Big Bird? Is it like when like a pet dies and the parents just go, we'll just get a turtle that looks the same and we'll say their pet didn't die. Do they replace Big Bird or is there some sort of real world mourning of Big Bird? Like, do all well, adults have to keep that secret so that we don't break the hearts of children? I think if they went ahead with it, they would have to, like, have a memorial service because if it was part of, like, to get kids interested in space, they would be hyped going like, oh, you know, Big Bird, that freaking, that big bird from, like, the streets of Sesame, he's going up there. He's going up into space. So the kids would all be watching because they're like, I'm going to see finally a bird fly. And then <laughs> and then they would there would be more kids that would have watched it. But maybe, but would there be, like, an element where we just go, oh, no, 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 Big Bird got off at the... Just yeah. the last moment, he got a call from Mr. Snuffleupagus and he had to go and take that. <laughs> <laughs> like- yeah, would they address it on Sesame Street? I think that they'd have to fake some footage mm. of... <laughs> Him flying out. <laughs> Him flying Wings out. extended. <laughs> and just right landing. before it explodes. <laughs> and just a couple of singed feathers. <laughs> and then and completely on- different voice. <laughs> Well, I certainly made it out there, okay? <laughs> you know what I would love to is there's been so many television shows and movies made about the Challenger disaster that mm. if they constantly had to make these quite serious movies but cast Big Bird and always have Big Bird oh as part of it. God. Like Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story on this and there's just Big Bird as one of the main characters. <laughs> oh, Fuck. See, we missed out on that. That would have been amazing. It would have been such a great part of history. It would I mean, just, it in, feels I'm to imagining... me like Big Bird knew something, right? You're saying Big Bird pulled out at the last moment and then Challenger <laughs> yeah, yeah, blew did. up. I think maybe you've got a sequel to your, you know, Finding Drago podcast here, like oh, Framing yeah. Big Bird. What did Big Bird know <laughs> about what was going to go down? 
You've got some NASA investigators going like, there's some little bird seed hanging around the launch pad around here. <laughs> That's been my favourite fact that I've learnt. I think oh it's my fucking God. sensational shit. Do you think that when they were launching off, would Big Bird like in the cockpit, would Carol Spinney be in costume? Like when they're... But I mean, their arm would get into the everyone's like strapped song. in, and then they've just got one arm raised above their head inside a costume, <laughs> puppeteering some eyes and a beak. I, I like the idea too that, like, if it had been successful, that he always has to be Big Bird. Mm. Like, there's not a moment, even when he's up there, that he's allowed to detach and just leave the costume in the corner and just float in around. Zero gravity. Being the everyone's like filling with the dials yeah. and doing all the jobs that they have to do in space, and he's going like, "Today is brought to you by the letter <laughs> B for black hole." I mean, I would you have thought that if they couldn't get Big Bird, but they wanted that appeal, could they not have got the count to do the countdown to launch? Wow. Okay, yeah. that's great. That's great stuff right there. Yes, yes, they should have got the counts. They should have put in, it should have been all Sesame Street and they should have all perished <laughs> in that fucking tragedy. I mean, it would be easier to explain, like, yeah, you know, no one was qualified. Everyone had like a grade three reading level that was involved in this. <laughs> the smartest guys that we had on the team were Bunsen and Honeydew, okay? We didn't yeah. do so well. <laughs> they're, they're the scientists. They're, you always see yeah. that shot of NASA. You know, yeah. the guys on the headphones <laughs> in that office. <laughs> Houston. You just start seeing, so like, they're like, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> oh, God. Would you go up, Will, if you had the cash lying around? Would you go in one of the, like in Bezos's trip or in uh, Richard Branson's one? I mean, okay, so the real answer is I have no particular desire to do that. But I guess if the opportunity arose, like, you know, they were like, no, we, we really... You know, for whatever fucking reason, I don't know. Whatever yeah. the reason is, like, we're gonna need some laughs up there, mate. Right, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a corporate now, is it? I have to fucking work as well. <laughs> write some jokes about virgins. <laughs> All right, what have I got? You know, the outside of this looks like a dick. We can work with that, I suppose. Space, no one can hear you fall. Yeah. Oh, you guys heard a big bird. I got some stuff on that. <laughs> <laughs> to do the first 20 in space, that would be... <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's it. They say, um, you know, like we've sent music into space. We've sent like art and entertainment into space. We actually want to do the first ever comedy gig in space. And yeah. and we want to book you to do, do the first comedy gig in space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, if I can claim it, you know. Yeah. I- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for the first open mic in space. Yeah. Just get some real crazy stuff going. <laughs> yeah, I bring up an opener, but I make like Justin come in a separate rocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You're not even the first one to do it because you had to bring like, on an opening act. Yeah, I'm like, I, mean, I don't want to go on call. call. Yeah. <laughs> I still was the first person to kill in space, you know, so they just got him ready. Um, would you go, Cam? Oh, man. You know, I've always thought I was one of those guys who would do everything. Yeah. Like, I'd bungee jump, mm-hmm. I'd jump out of a plane. And now I just think, you know, heading into my mid-30s, I just don't think so. Not anymore. I hate being on a normal plane. Yeah. I hate going through airport security. I just... I don't care about it. I just reckon I'm I'm happy to just sit on the sidelines and watch people do this shit. But I would watch Alexi do it. Alexi, wow. would you do it? I guess so. The encouragement from my best friend <laughs> gave me the courage to do it. I was no until that moment and then Cameron believing in me yeah. sent me. I just started imagining floating around, annoying everyone up in the little capsule. <laughs> Um, what do you think that if we had to start a new colony? So this is the, the 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 other question, right? So they're putting together like a little space colony. They're going off to mm-hmm. like you know put a colony on Mars or something like that, and they want to take a selection of people from different industries. And they come to you and they say, you know, on this space shuttle we, we're sending up, we like you need an entertainer. This is going to be your part in the the new community, but you're going to have to have 
a range of other skills as well because we just don't have enough people to cover off everything. So you can't just be an entertainer. You're going to have to double up serving some other purpose to the colony. What is your other purpose? Right. So it's like Armageddon where they're Mm. like training... uh, <clears throat> the training drill drillers guys. to be yeah. astronauts. Yeah, the greatest um, premise ever of a movie that it is easier to train drill guys to be yeah. astronauts than it would be to train astronauts <laughs> to operate drills. <laughs> Have you ever seen Ben Affleck's like commentary for that? Yeah, it's uh, I've seen that. The greatest commentary. Every now and then that floats around on the internet. It's so fucking good. You could just hear him having some beers talking over that scene and goes, yeah, so I asked uh, I asked Bay, like, why don't we get the astronauts and teach them how to drill? And he's like, shut the fuck up, man. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Um, What would my other skill be? Jesus Christ. You know, because it's like we have... We we are the least relevant people mm. in starting society over and over again. You know, I often think about that. If there was a zombie apocalypse and I was in a walking yeah. dead group yeah. of people, what would my job be? And you think um, I'd be the storyteller. Yeah. I'd be the one mm. that like writes everything down and mythologizes everyone. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I'd probably just fucking, I don't know. I'd do manual labor. I'd go up there and be like, oh, I'll dig a trench, whatever. Give me a shovel. Teach me to drill. Yeah. Apparently, it's apparently it's very difficult. But if you teach me how to drill, I'll figure out how to dig a trench or something. I probably go around and give back rubs and stuff. Just be the creep. Yeah, <laughs> just go around massage people. It's like, hey, how you doing? A little little extra here. Looking a bit tense, man. Just make people like me. I feel like growing food would be my like. I don't. Mm. I have a farm background, but I wouldn't suggest that I have any particular knowledge when it comes to like growing vegetables and stuff but it feels like something that i could pick up and you get a lot of alone time you get first yeah. access to food yeah it feels Think like about bits. yeah it's good yeah right get is some it just rice. putting a seed in the ground and then putting water on top of that seed it's what i'm hoping i could probably do <laughs> it's what i'm hoping Alexi. <laughs> yeah. i'm hoping it is as simple as you say <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you'd. I've seen The Martian and uh, what's that other one that Interstellar and shit mm. like that. I think that there's, you'd struggle. You'd be like, you'd be trying to get manure going. You'd be trying to use your own shit to like keep the plants yeah. growing. They would be taking in the soil. I think you'd struggle up there, guys. I think you've got to be more realistic. Get in a customer service or something. That's what I'd probably Oh, yeah. I miss I'd- those days, my retail days. <laughs> Just helping yeah. people out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I actually think I could work in a shop. Like, if it was a shop yeah. in space, like mm. it was a space shop, I'd be like... Yeah, not like a stupid normal earth I mean, yeah. not to disrespect people who work in shops. You have a very valuable <laughs> job, but it's just not a job I've ever aspired to. But if you put that job, that retail job in mm. space, I'm mm. like, yeah, okay. Like, I do gigs yeah. at night. I work in my space shop during the day. Yeah, I mean, I've done exactly that in the past. It's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think as well, maybe for me, my niche is going like, because it's so far away, <clears throat> internet would probably be pretty not so oh, good. Yeah. So people wouldn't have those streamies. If I take the collection up with me and open oh, the first shit. video store in space, mm, plus yeah, my personal good. recommendations, I that think- would be my dream. <clears throat> I like to imagine it's a world where there is no technology to be able to play your your Blu-rays. There's no internet. So what you actually have to do is become this storyteller who tells the stories of the movies. So like every night we gather around and then you will tell us the story (laughs) of the Beverly Hills Cop. But like from start to finish. So you're not going to believe this. Fletch is this guy who's a detective, but he is funny. And he's kind of tall, kind of going a little bit bald, kind of over a little bit. Don't listen to what anyone else would describe him as. I'm telling you what he looks like. Oh, getting, did you guys ever see uh, getting that confused and be like, yeah? Then he's like playing golf and stuff, and you know, like. 
adding different movies. If only he takes his family on a trip yeah. to a theme park. They go, they go to European style. They do a Christmas <laughs> stuff, you know. So you'll like this. My dad does not watch. So my dad watches like the ABC for the news. He listens to like the, the cricket, football, like the farming mm. hour. They have this thing called the country <clears> hour <throat> on ABC radio. And so like that's like the show that he listens to. God does damn. not watch any entertainment shows. He's only ever in his life watched The Flying Doctors and, huh. Blue, and Blue Healers. Are the only two like dramas <laughs> wow. that he has ever watched in his life. And I one day discovered that he did not realize they were different shows. He just thought at some stage <laughs> the doctors had like stopped flying around and had become policemen or something. Like that's how little attention he pays. So you could easily put all Chevy Chase's movies in one wow. movie and he'd be like, that sounds great. Perfect. That would be amazing just watching any piece of material and just going, yeah, they're all connected. Like I've got my world and then the screen, the world on the screen's all the same as well. Well, you guys, <laughs> are, familiar, you guys are familiar with that theory that. Um, all of Keanu Reeves' movies operate in the Matrix, right? Yeah. So, like, all the movies are just, like, simulations that he is going through within the the Matrix. Have you heard of this? I've been working on I've been working on a recut of the Matrix, like, that when he goes into the <laughs> Matrix, it's just Point Break. <laughs> and it's doing different scenes from Point Break whenever he jacks in. But that's, that's the theory, right? Like, is that each of those mm. is training him for some specific thing within the Matrix. And so wow. that's why in, like, John Wick, he's so hyper-realistic when it comes to, um, uh, you know, the skills that he has and what he can do. It's because it's all a simulation in the Matrix. Oh, I love this. Wow. I love this theory. I love, I love to know the parenthood simulation is just him getting sucked off in Annette Benning's house. That's gotta, pretty cool. Or whoever gotta, it is. Gotta, gotta learn how to do that. It's actually Diane Weist. Diane Weist. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're, you're, right. Yeah. you're right. I knew right away. The inventor was of the ice cream bars, famously. <laughs> yeah. What about the munch theory? Oh, um, oh my god! This is a theory you, I adore. You know, well, you explain it for me then, Alexi, because I, I vaguely remember it. That it's that Bells are Richard Bells are the comedian's character. Yeah, Detective Munch, John Munch from, from Law and Order is in what is it? How many shows? He's been he? in. He's got the record for the most the shows because he starts in Homicide, Homicide Life Homic- on the Streets, Arrested mm. Development, X Files, like you said. Uh, yeah. Law and Order, all of yeah. them, pretty much. The Wire, The Wire, Dirty Rock, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt. Sesame, Sesame Street. Street, um, yeah, and more. I'm pretty sure. So that's uh, so that just goes to show that that is one world. When you turn on the TV, yeah, most of the time you're just watching one. And universe. also introduces the idea that it could have been <laughs> Big Bird and Munch on that show. Oh <laughs> the greatest oh, team up. One day, well, freaking Ice T is a bit sick. They're like, oh, we got another guy from the streets of New York <laughs> to help you solve this crime today, Mister Munch. Maybe that's what they should have done if Big Bird died. They have Munch on the case. Yeah. He's allowed to, he knows Bird. He's worked with Bird. I remember in my early days of like loving Munch because I was a homicide life on the streets and Law and Order fan in the early days. And I was like, the first time I saw him pop up in the X-Files, I was like, oh, hang on. Like, what is going on here? This is like amazing. And then then I found (laughs) out that he was a stand-up comedian. And I was like, I felt like this is the greatest career anyone's ever had in the history yeah. of showbiz. <laughs> yeah, I've been re-watching Law and Order SVU. I gotta tell you, I'm a munchhead. Like, I've got munch madness, baby. I love him so much. <laughs> but I, I, Richard Bell's a most fascinating guy ever. Like, because he's just... I've don't the only time I've ever seen him do stand-up is in Scarface. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's in Scarface too. <laughs> in the club, bombing in front of uh, Tony Montana. Yeah. That's so crazy. Fuck. Yeah. Well, that is I, like I'm, so in The Joker when Gary Goldman's doing stand-up. And like yeah, I yeah. remembered like watching The Joker, uh, watching Joker, um, uh, and when Gary Goldman's on stage. And, <laughs> Lose yeah, sorry, the, the. <laughs> It's cooler that way. <laughs> sorry, Joker. No, the, <laughs> the Joker movie. <laughs> um, so I'm watching that and... The last time that I saw Gary um, was when we went on Doug Benson's uh, show, Getting Doug with High, which is the show where mm. you go on and you smoke weed for an hour. And you and so it was me and Gary mm. Gorman were the guests. And so I call that show. <laughs> <and we> got, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, this is a true story, but when I was going on that show, I was so paranoid that I would be embarrass Australia as a stoner that I literally trained for a week. <laughs> Like I, like I got like a bigger bong. I was like, like getting up in the morning and trying to like and oh rip and God. then talk and stuff because I didn't want to like go on the show uh, and completely oh green out and embarrass my. It was my version of the Olympics. I was like, that yeah. is so funny. That's it's like so funny. Like an athlete studying a tape of another team or whatever to figure out. Well, I'd moves. seen like Dan Harmon or someone on it and just get completely like too stoned and like get freaked out by the entire experience. Oh, and I was like, I do not want that to be me. That is not what I want. Fuck. Well, uh, it's safe to say you did us proud, Thank brother. You, my friend. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so Gary, that was the last time I saw Gary. And then I was like the most stoned I've ever been, you know, alongside the most stoned he's ever yeah. been. And then I just like, I, when I saw him in Joker, there was a real like flashback to that moment. I was like, this is, but, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's real anymore. I love that. Cause he was doing one of his real bits. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like they wrote a, a bit from the seventies for this character to be doing. It was like, just Gary Goldman doing a bit from the special that had come out two years ago. <laughs> it would have been great if they like really lent into that though. And he's like, the character comes out and he goes, so state abbreviations are pretty weird. And just does <laughs> like five and a half minutes <laughs> of his bike. Six minute bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I tell you, watching that movie in the cinema, I was like, you'd hate to go on after the fucking Joker. <laughs> yeah. You'd hate to follow Arthur Fleck, wouldn't you? Fucking It's hell. kind of... I think that's actually one of the like mistakes of the movie where the movie doesn't understand the world of you know, stand-up comedy mm. because absolutely if there was a character like him, he would murder a few MCs and other open micers before he like warmed up into his real... Yeah. Like, yeah. you'd, there'd just be a few people go missing, some MC who rolled his eyes after his performance yeah. would go missing... <laughs> There's a million of these guys in yeah. every open mic. I've seen hundreds of jokers over the years. None of them ever get booked at a real comedy club. Mm-hmm. None of them have Let a clip alone- that goes viral in the <laughs> yeah. days before the internet. Oh, yeah. I forgot that's a plot point. It's one of the movie, best, isn't, isn't it? it? That somehow... This may- imagine, like, if, like, Rove, when he was on, just saw somebody yeah. bomb at a stand-up club. I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to play that on Rove and then get that guy on and embarrass him. We've got the tape of little Alexi Toliopoulos trying a new bit out at his first ever gig, and he eats it, and now we're going to play it on what the- <laughs> fucking hell that's so funny i forgot that's part of the movie stand up in movies stand up in movies is like weird i talk about this a lot we talk about this a lot i think um it's been done well a couple of times i really yeah okay so when was it done well it was done well in maybe not in a film but in the tv series crashing the Mm. pete holmes show on hbo i like it in that because it's never anyone crushing it's just club comedy people are doing okay yeah you can still hear people chatting or ordering drinks in the background and there's a moment in that when he does this thing that I just fucking can't stand in any stand-up comedy film. This happens in all of them yeah. where they're doing their act and and then they just stop and take a moment and then just start talking about their real life. Yeah. They go, oh, so my wife left me. And all of a sudden, everyone in the crowd starts paying attention a little bit closer and the comics up the back of the room People are like turning there. to each other. I recognize authentic- authenticity right now. Yeah, Something authentic's happening right now. He's doing it. He's finding his voice. There's a moment in Crashing where he does that, mm. but he bombs even yeah. harder. He starts trying to be authentic and it goes nowhere. And then someone starts heckling him. And then after the show, all the comedians are like, why did you do that? Why didn't you just do your jokes? Yeah. And he's like, I was trying to be real. And they were like, but it wasn't funny. It was bad. Well, I loved that. I thought I, that was cool. I got to agree with you. I think that's the realest moment because everyone's done that like once. I remember vividly one time like doing a show at one of like those little small showcase gigs at Sydney Comedy Festival. And I was really not doing well. Every joke I was doing wasn't working. It was like the smallest, worst audience. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell a story for my real life. 
I never bombed harder <laughs> than when I transitioned <laughs> to doing that. And I bombed so hard that, like, I just remember sitting backstage just slumped up. And then it was such a bad bomb that months later, people that weren't there, because it was like five comedians there, the word traveled so everyone knew about it. <laughs> and it just kept coming back to me, go like, oh man, I heard you bombed real hard. I'm like, how'd you know? Yeah. <laughs> I saw it on what though? <laughs> Rove really gave it to you last night. <laughs> I go, I, so I went a step further than that. So I did a show. So Amy, my partner, we've been together 20 yeah. years, but there's been some... Um, ons and offs in between uh not consecutive and uh the first time we ever broke up it it was yeah kind of maybe six weeks before the comedy festival started so i was in a pretty bad and sad place and decided that i was gonna yeah that's what the show was all gonna be about Mm. and I still get messages from people in Adelaide <laughs> who who have not come back to see oh me since God. that show. <laughs> like, who still find it almost a personal affront oh on them God. that I thought that was entertainment. That's... And they are right. <laughs> all, I, all I think is it eventually became an okay show. Oh. But, like, the first, like, maybe four or five weeks of it were just, it was not a comedy show. It was a guy wow. going through a breakdown live on stage oh, every single night. And it, like I just look back on it and go, where were my management? <laughs> Why wasn't somebody tapping me on the shoulder and going, mate, I'm not sure you're in the right place. <laughs> I feel so sorry for Adelaide, hey. Like they must they must think stand-up comedy is just the shittest thing. <laughs> Every year the comedy like Fringe Festival comes and they see people just fucking around with new material. <laughs> Unformed bullshit shows. <laughs> I know it was so. This year, um, Ballard got caught in New Zealand. I wasn't going to Adelaide because I didn't have a new show, and uh, uh, Ballard got caught in New Zealand, and he had four nights or whatever that they needed to feel like a week out. Mm. And so they said, "Will you come down and you know just take those four shows?" And so I went and did like three mm. illegals and one like of my improv show on those nights, and <laughs> I thought I was like Richard Pryor or something like Chris <laughs> yeah. Rock like the way that I killed because that audience has never seen me do something <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I feel so bad for them I've only ever bombed in Adelaide I swear to god I've never had a good hour there uh, I mean it's like the whole city kind of needs to you know do something about it because the truth of it is it's got nothing to do with the mm. city of Adelaide no, it has to do great. with what the month calendar. that festival <laughs> yeah. happens yeah. to be in the calendar yeah. right move it to May absolutely or swap June, it around right yeah, like you guys can move it. The comedians aren't gonna. We're not gonna get our shit together. <laughs> no one's starting a class action. The only action. way you can get a good show is move the fringe to the. Oh, I'd be happy to do it later in the year. I've done. Uh, I've been in a tent in that garden where all the shows are, and you can hear the fucking V8 going around. Wow. You can hear Keith Urban's band playing in the park across the road. It's it's horrible. What the fuck are we thinking? We got to. Uh, I'm with you on this. We'll move it to June. That's what we're going to do. I mean, that's because it is also the cliche of Adelaide at the time, which is they literally put everything on at the same time. You've got like the arts Mm -hmm. festival and you've got WOMAD and you've got the motor racing and you've got the Adelaide Cup and you've got like all these events that all happen at the same time. (laughs) Just pull out the fringe, move it to June. In fact, pull comedy out of the fringe, which I think would make most of the fringe acts happy anyway, (laughs) and just do an Adelaide comedy festival in June. (laughs) Get some good shows in. All right, here's a question then. What's the worst stand-up comedy you've seen in a movie or TV? The worst oh. represented of it. Okay, so I was going to say the, the the other one that I think is good is, um, and again, it's connected to that Pete Holmes world, which is in Kumail and Emily's movie, uh, Big Sick. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, I thought the stand-up in that was pretty good yeah. as well because they filmed it as if it was real stand-up. I thought it, it worked okay. And I would say um, funny people in that same area, and it's all like the same people as well, like Judd Apatow has got his mm. fingers on all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And look, when I was growing up, punchlines felt 
yeah. real. <laughs> like tough. now that I'm in it, I I understand that it's maybe yeah. not entirely accurate, but it felt. Real. Well, we, when we were hanging out um, in the locker room the other day, Will, you were saying so much that, <laughs> that Tom Hanks was a big inspiration for you. It's my favorite bit about that movie. I think is the comedy yeah. locker room. It rocks. I'm so disappointed that like not once in 25 years yeah. of doing stand-up comedy has anyone ever taken me to a comedy locker yeah. room. I would say that one of the other ones, like different side of it, is the aforementioned Scarface because it's like the weirdest venue. It's like a nightclub. No one is at all paying attention to what's going on when Richard Belzer is like hosting. As everyone's like t- doing drug deals and stuff like that in the audience. <laughs> no one's paying attention. And then Richard Belzer has to bring on the weirdest act of all time, which is a fat clown with a paper mache head who just dances or something. And I've seen and he a crushes. lot. Of, he, he destroys. He destroys. <laughs> he levels the room. And then gets murdered. He gets murdered on yeah. stage. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to change my answer. That's the best representation yeah. of stand-up on film I've ever seen. It's a very specific vibe of one of those shows. Like, <laughs> why are they doing a stand-up show here? And this is the lineup. No one makes sense to each other. <laughs> I, there's a club in America called the Comedy and Magic Club at Hermosa Beach, which is a very well-respected American comedy mm. club, but it's very, they have a certain, Hermosa Beach has a sort of family beachy vibe. They prefer you to work cleanish mm. at the club. It's Jay Leno's oh, home club. Wow. So it's mm. where he famously would do like his, you know, show every single week. He would go down there and do like, you know, run his hour and a half or whatever it is. You'd always get some famous drop-ins. They would run these lineup shows and you'd get, like big time acts coming in to try stuff because it was that sort of room. and um, But it's a comedy and magic club. And so they have had this long tradition that every show will have a magician. Oh. So you all, there is always a magician mm. on the lineup. Mm. And I loved it. <laughs> I was like, I just love the idea yeah. that I feel like we've forgotten that we are bedfellows, comedians. Yeah. Like, and, you know, Cam, you know how much I love the – the greatest uh, film trilogy in modern day. Yeah, now you see me. Yeah. Now you see me too. And the, of course, hotly anticipated uh, treacle. Yeah. Now but you three me. Can't wait for it. Now you three me. That's right. <laughs> so you, you, did you have to follow a, a magician or is it just like a separate part of the show? How's it work? No, 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 no. no you, yeah, you can absolutely follow the magician. And I don't mind following wow. the magician. The magician, like post-magician was a good slot, I always thought. Really? I, yeah. <laughs> That's the and I was slot. also the person who was very happy to go on post the the big name that had just dropped in. Mm. Like over there, there's a whole lot of people who'd be like, I don't want to go on. Like if Daniel Tosh came down mm. and like, just tried t- 10 new minutes. Nobody wanted to go on after him. But I was always like, I love that yeah. spot because they're all paying attention. Yeah. There's a buzz in the room. Like if you if you can just hold on to it, yeah, you'll have a really good set. Like if you lose it, then <laughs> yeah, you are a bit fucked. But if you can hold on to it. <laughs> There's a club in Sydney now that's a magic club that does stand up. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, uh, it's run by a magician. Mm-hmm. And he books it and now he books just pure comedy nights so you can go down and like, you know, headline, middle, uh, opener and uh, MC. But every now and then he'll jump up and he'll do like a little bit of close-up magic or a little bit of patter and stuff. And he's, he's the most amazing character. He's just fucking great. Everything about him is great. He's got old showbiz stories. He's a bit of a, like, you know, cheese ball. He's got dyed jet black hair. I just fucking love it. My God. I've come to realize that magic, I love it. I've loved well, watching it. Do you know who Michael Pope is? Have we spoken about this? I don't know if we have. But mm, do you, no. So Michael Pope is a famous Australian uh, warm-up comedian, probably the most famous warm-up comedian of, like, the previous generation. He did the yeah. Logies for 20 years. Wow. Mm. Like, you know, the guy that everybody would go to in that scenario, Michael Pope was the guy. Still I'm does... On his website right now. Still does warm-up all over the place, like, you know, for a whole bunch of big TV shows. Loveliest wow. guy. Really like Michael Pope, and he's always the guy where if you're at something with the fucking hardest job, because particularly all those big variety shows or, like, award shows, they are terrible audiences, and he is just fucking doing his best to make sure that it's still a show. But he also is a mentalist and does close <gasps> up magic. Wow. That's and, sick. And so a couple of years ago during the um, 
Melbourne Magic Festival because there's a Melbourne Magic Festival. Um, Which Gates, they should move, by the way. I think they should move that to June. And Gates, well, Gates, Gates here from Tripod and I uh, decided, because we like Michael, but also we just thought, oh, this will be fun. We'll get really, really stoned and we will go and, like, you know, see Michael do his, like, close-up magic. Act. Yeah. Mm. And there was a part of us that I think, I mean, not being cruel, but we were just kind of like, oh, this will be, like, hilarious even if it's bad, right? Yeah. But course. from the minute it started... Yeah. Oh, I was loving it. Wow. I was yeah. like, oh, I yeah. only want to see these shows. Like, yeah. I am so amazed by mentalism and close-up magic. Me I just am like, it's a true keep skill. Doing it. Yeah, because it's like it's- getting hustled in front of your eyes. Yeah. You're like, oh wow. It's That's so what good. I love about it is that you know it's a hustle. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. it's just a whole bunch of things that he's learned how to do. And that's what I love about it is like, oh, look at all these. But I, more than that, I would love to go to Open Mic Magic. Oh, if wow. there was a night where you could see a whole bunch of people coming in and like just running Trying in their tricks, tricks. That, it, that would be my favorite night of entertainment yeah. ever. You well, got to get on like the 13 year old birthday party circuit. That's right. where it all happens, I reckon. <laughs> Well, this one in Sydney, you should come down and do it sometime, Will. It's so funny. I went and watched the guy who runs it. He does a solo magic hour on sat on Friday nights, I think. And Becky and I went and watched. Similar to you, we were thinking we'll just get a bit drunk and kind of laugh at it. And then he did some trick right out of the gate where he made a card appear from behind Becky's head and it had her name written on it. And we just, like, lost it. I was like... I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, I could watch this guy forever. Oh, it's, and it's also... It's so much better than comedy. Yeah, it's so much better. I, oh, I forgot that I almost fucked up the show also. Oh. So <laughs> there was some... We'd all been given a card when we came in. Yeah. And, like, there was a trick that involved us all looking at our card and, like, you know, whoever having the card and whatever. And <laughs> I was so stoned that I read my card wrong. And so I was the person and the joke, the kind of bit stopped because the person wasn't revealing themselves. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm the person. I'm ruining this show. He would have been so hurt by that. He's just on stage going like, God, I just lost a mate today. It was fucking great, though. I, I, I would love to know how to do some magic. Like, not enough that I will bother learning how to do some magic. You wish it was an innate power, or you yeah. wish you had. A, you wish you, you wish you were magic. Is what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. You wish you were a wizard. Yeah. No, I don't. That's too much responsibility. Oh, and okay. I, suddenly you've got all the ethical just conundrums of how you use witches. I just want to be able to hustle people. Just I mean, a that's all conjurer. Stand up is like just the movie Rounders without the fucking cards. Like <laughs> yeah. all, all we are is a bunch of hustlers going town to town, going, "Where's the game at? Can yeah. I please come come down and talk for a while and hopefully walk away with some cash in my pocket?" That's yeah. all it fucking is. Yeah, man, I'd kill. I want to be. I just want to be like Jason Statham at the start of Lockstock and Two mm. Smoking Barrels, just three card Monty oh. on a street. Watch this cup, and then I'm like, while I'm doing that, you guys are in the crowd stealing wallets from oh, people's wow. pockets. And I mean, I'm basically I'm describing the plot of now you three me, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait for that to come out. I went and saw this guy who was um, uh, he said his whole thing was he was a debunker of like your John Edwards and all those sort of oh, people. Wow. But he would do this show where he would say, "Look, everything that I'm going to do tonight." None of it is magic. It is all, you know, things that we are like, but he never tells you how he's doing any of it. He just like his premise is this is all shit, you know, that I've just learned how Mm. to do. And then Mm. he does this thing that at the end of it, you walk away and you're with your friends going, no, he's magic. The thing he says at the start is clearly a fucking cover up from the fact that he is actually a magician because the shit is just, you just sit there the whole time going, yeah, I know he said that there's a way that he could do this, but I don't know how he could do this. There's no way. I'm a sucker for a debunker. Mm. Like that Penn and Teller stuff. Love that. Love us. Love that show. And there used to be a show on TV called The Masked Magician. Where he oh, was, yes. a, he was a guy, and he would just reveal how they did sword tricks and mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's the dream. I, well, I want to do that for comedy. I, I, I reckon you could do that. Three yeah. 
I feel like that would actually be great. Like if you made a show, The Masked Comedian, yeah. and you go on and you, you like you just go, well, look at that. That's just a yeah. callback. Like yeah, he's just saying the thing that he yeah. said at the start. He's exactly like, It's not actually that, that clever. You guys find that clever, but it's not actually that clever. <laughs> Going through like old footy show clips. Yeah, so this yeah. is what he's doing here. It's a character. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's doing an impersonation of somebody and he's blackened his face. You see what he's done there? It's And you see what he's doing there? Stuff. It's actually a throwback to minstrelry. Yeah. Actually- <laughs> if you look carefully, it's just one guy and then the rest are just dummies on a couple of strings. <laughs> You know what? You think you enjoyed that, but they were playing a musical instrument, and when at the end they stopped, you just clapped. It's a natural human reaction. It's if you look back at the tape, like, you didn't actually laugh a lot during the song. You just clapped at the end because it was over. Good grief! Um, I, I'm conscious of the fact that we should keep this tight today because Cam, you have a. Uh, I do. A, yeah, I've, a I've pet got to the run. Bed. I actually probably should go. Okay, now. well, let's wind this up then. Um, Total Reboot is your podcast. People can also find uh, finding uh, Drago and also finding uh, now Desperado. Yeah, that's correct. Um, both excellent uh, podcasts that I highly recommend. Oh, people thank check you so out. much. Thanks, and, Will. Um, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today. It's always nice to talk to you. Uh, good luck with your rude bot business. <laughs> <laughs> We are looking for investors so yeah. if you want to get in on the ground floor. Exactly. We've been talking about movies on podcasts for generations, but it's time we do something a little more intimate with the format. <laughs> and uh, Alexi's got a hundred of the rude bots out the back. Never been touched. Never been opened. Still I'm plastic too scared of them. I'm really, really terrified of them. They intimidate me a lot. But if you would like to put your banana in their tailpipe, hey. then... We're done. See, that's how you do it. It's a callback, guys. That's all it was. I just said something that we said earlier. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks so much.